Learn from the mistakes of others, because you can't possibly live long enough to make them all yourself. Bill Ader's words to live by. Welcome to Overdrive Radio. I'm Todd Dills, and in this edition of the podcast today, we'll drop into the scene at Junction Truck Stop in Blunt, South Dakota. Around about midweek last week, where Landstar leased owner operator Bill Ader and a fellow hauler on the run from Midland, Texas, up to, on to the West Williston oil fields, they found themselves just ahead of the early spring blizzard that hammered the area and surrounding states last week. It's been a good deal longer there than they'd initially expected, nearly three days all told, and Owner-operator Ader came out of the experience with a new appreciation for the dedication and generosity of Colleen Poole, manager of the Junction Stop there. We'll get back to that in due time. Bill Ader will be familiar to longtime listeners here for an interview conducted with him in the late summer of 2017 during his work hauling relief shuttles for FEMA during the aftermath of Hurricane Harvey. The owner-operator begins here with a bit of a discussion about his parents' former trucking business, in the property south of Fort Worth that houses his current shop and longer-term parking for several fellow owner-operators, among other things. When my folks had their trucking business, uh, they have a place down south side of Fort Worth. And um, when Dad died five years ago, I just told him, I'd, he just told me to get rid of the truck so Mom doesn't have to. So in order to make sure that Mom is taken care of, I got rid of the trucks and then I, I rent the shop as well as another Landstar BCO that, that uh, lives down there. And then we rent out parking spaces. Uh, shoot, there's what about four other ones uh, that are Landstar BCOs. And uh, anyway, they rent out, they've got dedicated parking spaces. So mama has an income. Yeah, I take yeah. care of all that for her. You know, it's, so I take care of my house, her place. <laughs> I'm her manager. <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds like a, um, that's a that's a that's a neat deal for uh, for her and then for the guys that uh, are able to park there for sure. Yeah, so they they you know, they live in the area, I guess. Yes, a lot of them live in the area, and uh, uh, the Proctors uh, they've got a, a travel trailer. They just they stay down there, and George rents part of the shop with me, and so Mom's got got some income and and. Somebody's usually in and out of there every day around there. And, well, been in a trucking business all my life uh, since I graduated in 73 and went to work for Dad. Um, you know, so Mom can relate to trucking. She she always calls me, where you at? What you doing? <laughs> so I take her on, you know, called the other day. Hey, Mom, guess I'm going through my birthplace. Oh, you're going through Oberlin, Kansas. Yes, ma'am. I'm, I'm up 83. <laughs> I take her on trips with me that way. <laughs> she she used to drive with my dad, run double with dad, long before there was even women's showers. I remember dad happened to stand guard, you know, while mom was in taking a shower. Because like, they used to just have, like, stalls with, with like, shower curtains over the, the dressing area in those stalls. I remember those days, and dad used to stand guard there so mom could take a shower. <laughs> Some yeah, of the guess, good old uh, days weren't that good. <laughs> yeah, things have changed a good bit since then, right? No. Oh man, I'm telling you. you now the the showers today are are just deluxe. 
compared to what we used to have back in the 70s. I mean, I remember yeah. going with Dad when I was little, and I can't remember exactly where we was at, but he used to take pickles from Michigan over to, to Philly. And there was one of the 76 truck stops or something like that. But here I am, little, you know, not, I'm talking 10, 11 years old. And um, the, the shower room was just a big room with a bunch of shower heads sticking out of the wall and all these naked guys. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, the old gym class shower room, if you will, you know. As noted up top on Tuesday, April 9th, Last week, Bill Ader pulled into the Junction truck stop in Blunt, South Dakota, running with fellow Landstar leased owner-operator Luke Mitchell. On his way to Williston, and just ahead of quite a bit of winter weather he hadn't exactly been expecting when he and Mitchell set out from Texas. Here, he sets the stage for the three and more days that followed as the blizzard arrived. Okay, me and uh, uh, another Landstar BCO were we picked up a couple of chassis with ISO containers on them, chemicals. They uh, in Midland, Texas, going to Williston, North Dakota. Well, they'll haul the same amount as like 16 totes. And uh, a lot of well sites are, are wanting them all in one container now. The trouble with that is, is they slosh. You have got to take off real slow and slow down real slow. Otherwise, these things will slap you. It's like take a, a, a water bottle in the palm of your hand that's half empty and rock it back and forth and see if it doesn't knock out of your hand. It will. So it's like, uh, it's what the, we, what the tanker guys are all familiar with, right? Yes. It's surge. Yeah. I mean, and that is the best way to describe it. When I told my wife what it was like, I told her exactly that. Take a water bottle and just rock it back and forth and it'll snap out of your hand. Okay. So Tuesday night we are, uh, our logs were going to let us get up north of Pierre, which I knew where this little junction truck stop is at US 14 and US 83, north of Pierre, South Dakota. Well, we started uh, north off of I-90 and it started raining. And it was hovering 36 degrees. And I, I told Luke, I said, we're, we're gonna get there. We'll be all right. It was still raining. We got to the truck stop, we parked. Got up the next morning, and the wind was blowing. Oh, my gosh. We, we'd heard on the weather the wind was going to blow. They're talking 50-mile-an-hour gusts. Wake up the next morning, and I got a half an inch of ice. on the Not where the rain had come down, but because of the wind, it was on the front side of my mirror brackets and, and my mirrors hanging down. The icicles were curved in towards the windshield. Wow run the wind as it was you know dripping down and freezing so yeah we we'd stopped there for the night and we saw that come wednesday morning and uh so we went into the truck stop into truck stop fuel stop it's it's not a real big place more like a little co-op uh farmer's area you know yeah. and uh so we go in and eat breakfast and uh I walked in right behind this sheriff that had pulled up, and Luke was already in there. And uh, being me, I just I told the sheriff, I said, "Buddy, I didn't do it, but that guy over in the corner did." Well, I got the whole room laughing, and uh, then Luke blamed it on me, and you don't know what any of what he did. 
But we're sitting there shooting the breeze with everybody and laughing and joking about the weather. And the sheriff lived in a little town called Oneida, just north of, of that junction there in Blunt. And uh, he said that, buddy, he said, it's not, it's not good north of here. And uh, uh, he said, the ice is bad. And uh, uh, he said, just wouldn't do it. So yeah. we sit there and had breakfast and hung around. And uh, the snow started blowing a little bit, started coming in. But nothing ever comes straight down. Because of the cornfields all around that area, it was just, it hit and blow. They said they had 15 inches of snow in Pierre. I don't know if we did there or not, but what, because it was blowing around and drifting around the, the trucks. Well, that afternoon, the, the road right out front looked pretty clear. And some guys were going and, and, and uh, taking off and, and the, the fleet trucks, shoot, they were, they were leaving and everything. And uh, so Luke and I, uh, we decided we're, We'll give it a shot. You know, we'll, we'll try. Maybe we'll still get ahead of the, the storm storm. And right. uh, so get ready to pull out. I get about two truck lengths in front of Luke in the, the parking lot, and he hollers at me. He said, hang on a second. He said, my e-log's not going to let me set it yet. So I stopped. And uh, just before that, he made a. I said, well, are you ready? And he motioned with his hands like he's going to pray. And I thought, that's a good idea. And honestly, I sat there for a second, said a quick prayer, keep us safe. And then I started out. Well, while I was waiting for him, one of the gals from the, the truck stop cafe come running out. And uh, she said, Sheriff Billy said, don't anybody go anywhere. There's two trucks that has crashed up there on the ice, and and they're they're blocking the road. Don't do it. Uh, to the north back, of you. Back into my park. <laughs> back back into my parking space, and said, well, "Thank you, Lord." <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, um, and that was because had we left the driveway and got on US 83, there's no place to turn around. We'd have been sitting in the road somewhere. And uh, so we just decided that this stuff sloshing around and moving, you know, the way it does whenever you make a, you know, if you have to make a quick decision, it could be the last one. So that's where we stayed Wednesday night. That's when it really started. Uh, that's when it was got really bad, I guess, right? Yes, because come Thursday, I woke up to uh, drifts around my truck. Um, I mean, also, it got so bad Wednesday that Colleen came around uh, at 11 o'clock with her pickup truck and let all of us that were in the truck stop still, and there was about six, seven of us, a couple of permit loads, um, was there she come around and told everybody that look at one o'clock 
I'm headed to the house because it's really supposed to hit and get bad. So she gave everybody a heads up, come get your cookies, crackers, water, whatever you want to get. And, uh, cause she is closing up and they didn't know if they was going to be able to get into it the next morning. And, yeah. uh, that's when Wednesday night, oh my gosh, uh, the wind drifts and the snow. I had a drift just in front of my truck. All right, to where you could actually walk and not be in the snow. But if you looked underneath the curved bumper on that FLD 120 of mine, the snow had blown up underneath and come back under and filled my bumper up, just as if I backed up in a snowdrift and scooped it up. The snow was blowing everywhere. The back of the, the chassis, the spread axle, covered. Um it was it was horrible, but finally about ten o'clock, uh, this big old John Deere tractor with this box plow shows up and starts plowing around in front and back of us. And Colleen was following it, and that was her brother that had come in and plowed because I mean the, the fuel islands anywhere where something had obstructed it, you know, from blowing across the open fields, it was drifting. And she came in and opened the, the the little cafe up all by herself and started cooking. And everybody just started flocking in where it was warm and where the coffee was hot. <laughs> all day Thursday, she said that she had brought a change of clothes in case she couldn't get out of here, <laughs> get out. And uh, right. I said, well, I, I thanked her for being there and was glad she made it. And she said, yeah, she says, it wasn't a family decision because they was all against it. <laughs> Yeah, her getting out and coming in. But she had told stories how they had helped other truck drivers and, and, uh, you know, that had been stranded up there and keep an eye on them. And you don't find that anymore, very rarely, you know. Um, I think you were telling me about that. uh, Tell me that story she told you about the driver who um, had had it. I think he He'd had a medical uh, emergency there uh, during one of these big snowstorms like this. Is that right? Am I remembering that right? No, it wasn't a medical emergency. Oh, okay, he okay. was there during a snowstorm. His truck ran out of fuel or gelled up, one oh. of the two. And he was freezing. Well, I guess that would be a medical emergency. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, he called 911 and... The, the story she told is, is folks from Blunt, uh, which is out just a little bit east on, on US-14. Um, I, I can't remember exactly whether she said there was a fire truck or, or an ambulance cop. But anyway, they followed. There was a plow and a, and a road grader with a blade. Had made okay, it from yeah. there and to the truck stop, picked him up, brought him back to town, and... and uh, Maybe it was the sheriff. I, I can't remember exactly. There was all kinds of stories told about this and that. But anyway, one of the folks in town put the man up in their basement till the storm cleared. Total stranger. Oh, yeah. You know, right. but uh, yeah, folks right. still look after folks. I think it's, those kinds of stories are great to great to hear. And um, and this particular one too. So Colleen, like uh, she made she found her way made her way to the truck stop. Uh, because she knew you guys were there. If nobody else was probably going to be coming in that day, I, I, 
they shut down a lot of the roads around there, I, I think, right? I don't know about the U.S. highways. Were those roads yeah, like, officially well, shut down? They had not officially. All of the, the okay. NOAA weather and everything it said no travel advised. And I was told mm -hmm. that uh, the no travel advised on the road means that if you crashed, they'd, they'd write you a ticket for being a dummy, I guess. You know, uh, but when they closed the road, I was told that they really get ugly on you if the road is closed and you go around it, which that's understandable, too. Those U.S. highways there were not officially closed at that point. They were not um, officially guys, closed, no. You, you guys were proceeding with an abundance of caution, which is probably a good thing there, right? Yes, and we did get out Friday. Okay. Uh, we, uh, we shoveled a lot of snow after breakfast Friday morning, and her brother came back out, um, did some more plowing, but, you know, he couldn't get close to the truck because it's not that eight-wheel John Deere tractor that it with this dead gum, that had to be 14-foot wide, big old box plow thing. I think they use it for, for shoving grain around in piles. Um, okay. Not exactly a precision instrument, so he didn't get real close. <laughs> but uh, so I, I shoveled more snow Friday morning than I have in 25 years. And that was just to get <laughs> the front of, we were shoveling it away from the truck and then having him come make a pass to get it away. And, uh, and then, and that's only because it had finally stopped snowing. You know, that even... The uh, highway department, they shut down at night, and they, as long as the wind was blowing or it was snowing, they weren't even plowing because it didn't do any good. So no. once we got the snow cleared out in front of the trucks as much as there was, we still couldn't move because there was there was waist-high uh, snow that was covering the back of all the trailers and stuff where it had, you know, caught and drifted on the backside, and we had to be pulled out of the slot we was in and then they got the lot right. cleaned up and we sat there another by one o'clock it got up to like 40 degrees just because the sun was shining this is on the thermometer that's on my mirror right. and uh, I got out my decision making coin and flipped it <laughs> <laughs> walked out front and well the the asphalt's dry here in front of the truck stop and looked north and thought, looks good up there, of course. It looked good the other day, too, but we decided, well, let's go for it. We'd seen some traffic uh, coming south. You know, means something's right. open. Oh, my gosh. Within five miles, I'd radioed Luke, and I said, I think this is a really bad idea. <laughs> it took us uh three hours to go 100 miles although we had it was it was real slushy there were some bare spots where the wind had blown it dry and but where the drifts were there was basically no southbound lane because the wind was coming out of the west and it was still yep. drifting i had some southbound guys he said what's the road like behind you and i said what's what you got here now and he says I said, just watch out for the drifts. He said, oh, yeah, we've been driving on your side whenever nobody was coming. So that's why maybe the southbound <laughs> or the northbound side was so clean. Southbounders was using it on the two-lane road. 
it was bad. There was some places where it was really ice pack and jumbled and a lot of slush. But then I got to thinking, if we'd have waited till morning and, you know, give it another day, then that would have been frozen. Uh, so I guess we, we, we just about 30 mile an hour most of the time just easing along and got out of it. Wasn't anything for a rookie to be driving on. I, um, I, I thought I was going to be in nice weather going to Williston. Honestly, I, I had uh, – I always carry extra boots and clothes and, and things with me, but I had one jacket with a hood on it that I was really happy to have <laughs> <laughs> and warm gloves. Yeah. yeah how cold did it get cool. actually up there during this? Actually, it never got below – 25 degrees just it was a heavy wet snow and then but the part that the wind was started blowing you know would, would dry it out some so humidity wasn't that bad that ice hung in there oh my gosh uh yeah. luke's it, he was going in and out of his passenger door because i at least had this a, a van to my my driver's door didn't catch it but for some reason the wind whipping around on luke's truck he couldn't even get out of his driver's door. It, uh, that Peterbilt door was just iced shut. The roads were clear coming back. We bobtailed back uh, on Sunday, came through that same area Sunday, which we was really hoping they had it cleared up by then. But they did get a lot of snow up in that area. We followed 83 all the way down into uh, – all the way to Texas, and uh, that snow was all the way down into Nebraska where there wasn't any going north <laughs> when we come through. Pretty crazy for uh, this late in the or this late in the winter or early in the spring, however you want to uh, say it. I guess it is officially spring, isn't it? Well, it's spring in Texas. It was 80 yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, it's spring in Texas when there's tornado warnings out like there is right now for the area, you know, possible tornadoes or, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Same here. Yeah, I'll say this, though. I was trucking in the 70s and 80s, and oh, my gosh, I remember back in the day, they they'd said, oh, it's the new Ice Age, you know, snow's coming. And I remember Wyoming having snow blowers on the front of trucks because the drifts had come across I-25. Um, and, and it did. Uh, snow lasted a long time uh, mm -hmm. into the spring. You know, every once in a while, you know, you get that late one. Uh, and I guess now when it happens, people don't remember <laughs> that, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, this happens once in a while. You know, so I don't get too shook up. Matter of fact, that's probably why I have so many winter coats is because this dummy would leave Texas when it's 80 degrees and roll up north to Wisconsin and, and have a dadgum long sleeve shirt and have to go to the store and buy another coat because it's 10 degrees. So I just carry them with me now. I'm tired of buying clothes. <laughs> yeah, I hope spring and summer's coming. Let me ask you this. Did you stop at the junction on the way back um, after uh, delivering up in Wilson? Yes, we did. And I asked one of the gals in there, I says, where's Colleen at? Is she home recuperating? She says, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she worked the whole time by herself. Uh I got it. I, I I cannot thank her enough. I, I, we stopped on the way back and, and uh, had breakfast again. We timed it so we could go in and have breakfast. And uh, 
Well, they make a good hamburger there too. Believe me, you know it's it's not an yeah. extensive menu, but it's it's a little cafe. You know, you good food. I I I make it a. I've been by it a lot of times, but you know you always get in a hurry. I I will now make it a point to stop in, get a coke or a cup of coffee, and say hi and how's it going because because of the the as friendly the people are, you know. Yeah. And a lot of generosity there for sure in a in a tough circumstance, no doubt. Well, yeah, and and I'll say this about the group that was was snowed in there. Uh, there were some guys with permit loads uh, that were there, and everybody just kind of give each other a hand, uh, whether yep. it's with experience. Um, come Wednesday before the when it was supposed to drop and snow. Uh, and this is just 45 years of driving a truck in all kinds of weather. But I, uh, I told Luke, I said, hey, I'm going to get some uh, power service while we're here and put in the tank. Just in case it gets real cold. Uh, we're going to have to run the trucks. We don't need something happening. And uh, I said, you know, I, I got a half a tank of fuel. I could have made it up farther, but I'm going to top it off while we can Oh, he no. says, I'm not going to. Well, I went around and got fuel, topped it off, put the stuff in the tank. And uh, next thing I know, he's behind me. He said, yeah, I think I will too. And three other guys followed my lead. I said, you know, you just don't never know. What if we got up the road and did slide in the ditch? What if we're there for a day and a half? What if we're on an angle? Your fuel can't pick up. You'd rather be full than half full and say, well, i got to have a tank of fuel and run out because the pickup tube was wouldn't get it, you know? Um, little things like that. It's funny how folks was following a lead, you know, and, and doing that. Yeah. My daddy, and, and I, I've heard this quote from somebody else, so I I didn't know whether it originated with my dad or not, but... Learn from the mistakes of others because you cannot possibly live long enough to make them all yourself. Yeah. I I remember that constantly. I have told my boys that because you know what? You see something, a load that's not tied down right, or you see somebody driving too fast and you get up the road and they're in a the ditch or getting pulled over by the police. You know, if you can learn from that without it happening to you, it don't hurt near as much. <laughs> The one fellow from Manitoba didn't even mind us laughing at him because he was walking around in, in like, slipper-type tennis shoes with low-cut socks that his ankles were showing. It's like, dude, you're from Canada. You know what this stuff is, right? (laughs) Uh, He's probably well acclimated to it. He can handle it. (laughs) Evidently. I just, you know... of course, they made fun of three of us. We're Texans, you know, made fun of us. Yeah, but at least we got coats on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're not running around in house slippers. <laughs> Quite a story from the Arlington, Texas, based on our operator. You can catch pictures of some of the snow drifts at the junction truck stop near uh, near covering Ader's truck, uh, truck tandems, among other things, via overdriveonline.com. Search Bill Ader. That's A-T-E-R. He adds that, uh, as it has been this early spring for so many of you out there, uh, with his typical 2003 Transcraft step deck, things have really slowed down when it comes to freight. 
He's optimistic about the near term. There's a double-edged sword to the optimism, he notes, given fuel prices rising could create some more activity in the oil fields freight-wise for him. Nonetheless, he's hanging in for now. We'll go out with a hearty thank you from him and Luke Mitchell to Colleen Poole, manager at the Junction Truck Stop at US 83 and 14 in Blunt, South Dakota, who gave generously of her time to serve the group of truckers there during the blizzard last week. Stop in if you're moving through the area. We'll close things with a little more about his operation, uh, Ader's operation, I should say, broadly speaking. Here he is talking about the Freightliner FLD he's hauled in since he bought it used in twi- uh, 2003. Likewise about the importance of his access to his dad's fleet's former shop, mentioned at the top of the podcast. Plenty of opportunities for hands-on, preventive, and other maintenance without the shop fees when it arises. It's a 2000 yeah. FLD 120, which it was built in April of 99, so as long as I keep my nose clean, I'm still on paper log with Landstar. <laughs> yeah, they, they, uh, they aren't requiring guys with older trucks to, to go over. If, if they can. No. Uh, like, if, if I get a violation of any kind, then they'll make me do it. I bought that truck used in 2003, and I've had it ever since. But it, my shop is important to me because I can work on my truck, and I do. <laughs> I do everything but the, the heavy line work. And sometimes I'll take stuff apart, and then if it needs to be... Uh, well, I've taken, I just replaced the radiator in my truck, which is a pretty good job in one of those freight liners because if it wasn't for the cherry picker, I got it out by myself and put it all back together. And yeah, that shop saves me a lot of money, which is also the reason why I'm very selective on where I go to not tear my truck up because, brother, that's going to last me another five years anyway till I can either retire or pull one or two loads a month. <laughs> It's a good deal, um, as long as you can keep it, keep it going and uh, avoid that truck note, I guess. It's probably a, a big part of that, right? <laughs> Maintenance is the key. I've, yeah. I've mentored a, a, a couple guys that have bought older trucks, and I've had to, uh, I had to. They've called me up. Mr. Bill, what's this? What's, what's going on with this? And, um... I had this, well, just, just recently, this old boy called me and he said, my truck is, is he's only had it for uh, like five or six months. He said, but it's making a different noise. And he's trying to dis- describe it, you know, and uh, right. he said it's lost some power. And I was trying to diagnose it for him. And he said, well, I, I called Melvin, which is a guy that I'd hooked him up with. that has got a portable truck, service truck. And Melvin said I might have dropped the valve. And I said, Jason. How long have you been driving it? Well, it's been making this noise. He said, oh, last couple hours. He said, I'm headed back home. I said, okay, buddy, first off, if you'd have dropped a valve, I said, you'd have had oil all over. You'd be on the side of the road with a hole in the block by now. That valve would have punched a hole in the piston. Yeah. And I said, just when you get back to the show, he's one that rents a parking space from us. I said, call Daniel, our mechanic. And I said, have him hook the computer up to it. I said, if it's even running, there's just, there's something, you got a wire, rope, blah, blah, blah. Sure enough, within five minutes, Daniel said, number four injector conked out. It's only operating like at a point three. Change huh. the injectors, down the road he goes for, for you know, $1,000, labor and all, same day. And 
he thanked me and thanked me because, boy, if he'd have went with this other guy, that guy had tore his engine all the pieces. <laughs> right. <laughs> he never fixed it. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, having my own shop, I just, I love it. That's yep. my hobby. It was, what do you, what's your hobby? <laughs> Working on my truck. It's kind of like having a 57 or 56 Chevy in your yard if you're into that, you know? That's your hobby. You spend your spare time. I'd be playing with it and, you know, polishing, working on it, whatever. So, right. you know, Freightliner is my hobby. 